0: that you could join us, I encourage you to turn in your Bibles or turn on your Bible uh, and go to Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. This is a little break uh, from Exodus, but it is still about a rescue. The message of the cross and the empty tomb is a rescue mission. And we want this morning to, as we read together, think of how the cross is that rescue from God. And so as you follow along the text, there's a couple of things that I'm going to want to point out this morning. And so I hope that you'll join me as we read. I'm going to read from uh, the Christian Standard Bible uh, version. And this is Romans 5, 6 through 11. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that your reading of the word that is active and living, we pray that it would go through every screen and every device and that we know that it will penetrate our hearts. We pray, Lord, this morning that through the hope and help of the resurrection that we will rejoice that the Savior has come for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to tell you an event, and I'd like to tell it from two different perspectives. And I'd like to tell you that depending on the perspective that you tell it, you might not get the full picture. So in 1982, there was a man, a 50-year-old man, swimming in the Potomac River. It had snowed nine inches that day, and the water was deathly freezing The only way to save him was a rescue from a helicopter. The whole world watched on TV as a helicopter came and lowered a rescue line to him five different times. Five different times the line came into his hand and he let it go, one right after another until he died in the water. That's one perspective of the story. But let me tell you a little more about the story. Uh, The story happened actually in 1982 when a 747, uh, because of ice on the engines, uh, did not take off as it should have. And it skidded. Uh, It hit a bridge and went into the Potomac River. Of the 70-some, 79 uh, passengers, only six survived in the frozen water. Now, the rescue did take place, and a rescue helicopter did arrive, and the 50-year-old man was swimming in the river, and he swam, and every time he grabbed the lifeline of the helicopter, he gave it and hooked another passenger. And of the six passengers, one by one by one, All five other passengers were saved. But unfortunately, because of exhaustion and the water temperature, that man died. Now, it's interesting because we might see that perspective and that picture and see that there's two ways to see this, that that you could see that as as a life that could have been saved, but on another way, that that life was given for many others. In the same way many people look at the cross of Jesus Christ they see it from a human perspective. They see how maybe pathetic it is, how needless the death was. And even that day on the cross people were jeering up at Jesus, if you could just save yourselves, you would we would see that you are the savior of the world. But we need to look at the cross through God's eyes and see that it was the only way that we might be rescued Jesus the God man giving of himself to save those who believe in him we must understand that this was a divine rescue mission That we were under sin, that we were under wrath. We were under the penalty of every lie, every deceit, every failure, every disobedience. Everything that, that we have ever done puts us under the anger and wrath and destruction of God. And we see that there is no hope for us. But God, before all eternity, ordained a rescue plan. Where he gave of his son that we might be saved. The dark reality of Easter is that, yes, Jesus died on the cross. But it's what makes it the most exciting, most good news holiday that has ever happened. The, most, the best day in all of history that, yes, Jesus died. But on Sunday, he rose again showing that he had completed the rescue mission that Jesus has saved us. And during these days of the coronavirus, we are thankful for those in the healthcare field and the research field and all those who are working to save us from this deadly virus. But I encourage you today, whether you're sick or whether you're healthy, your biggest need today is to be rescued from under the wrath of God towards sin. And Jesus Christ is the rescue for us. And today in this passage, we are reminded that though we are helpless, Christ rescued us from the wrath of God and reconciled us to God through his cross. Today, I hope that we understand that Easter gives us a reason to celebrate The work of Jesus that gives us rescue from our sin. Today, I want us to see four truths about the rescue that we have in Christ. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. We are rescued because we are powerless. We are rescued because we are powerless. In verse 6, it says, For while we were still helpless, just at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Now, Paul does a masterful job in this verse and in others to show that we were truly powerless to rescue ourselves from sin. In verse 6, uh, actually, in, in this passage, there are four ways that, that Paul describes us. In verse 6, there are two words. You might want to underline them or circle them. Helpless. Ungodly. And down in verse 8, sinners and enemies you see that? That's pretty potent that's pretty pretty straightforward to, to see our reality that our our Standing before God, before Christ, was helpless, ungodly, sinners, and enemies. It's a package deal, friends. We're not one of the four. We're not two of the four. We're all four. We are in a place that are helpless to be saved. And while it says, while we were still helpless, Paul is helping us to see that what helpless is, is that we are weak, we are infirmed, we are feeble. We have an inability to save ourselves or bring ourselves to God. The Bible tells us a lot of, about of our inability, and part of that is a spiritual inability. We can't even understand God apart from His work in our lives and our minds. First Corinthians two fourteen says, "But the s- person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit, because it is foolishness to him." He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. You see, we, we can't have even an understanding of God unless the spirits work in us to draw us and help make clear the good news of the gospel. But also, we cannot please God in any way. Nothing of our action, nothing that we can do, there is no good that we can put on the scales to get us closer to receiving God's grace or his love. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 2, 1 and 8 helps us to see this. Paul even again points it even further. In Ephesians 1, it says, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. And we understand this to mean that there is nothing good that we can ever do. Dead people can't do good things and can't be closer to God. But he goes on in verse 8, you are saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It is God's gift let me ask you have you ever felt helpless I feel helpless when my children are sick I I, especially with Isabella when she's two she can't tell me what's hurting Uh, even when Franklin is sick it's hard for me because I want to do something especially the the weird everyday virus cold things that they're suffering or earaches or different things and we know that they feel bad And as a parent, all I want to do is take it away. But I'm helpless. I can't reach down and pull it out. I can't do anything to make them feel better. Well, in the same way, we are helpless, that we cannot remove the sin from our lives. The sin and the the judgment of wrath. The only hope that we have to escape the wrath of God, to escape hell, is that we to understand or even escape the second death is this next truth in this verse. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now that's important because we just need to know this, that There is several, two words for the Greek for the word time. In the Greek, the word chronos, where we get the word chronology uh, in our English, something succinctly. uh, That is not the word that is used here. The word actually used here is a word that means for time that it is an exact moment, an exact place, an exact time. And in this moment, we are reminded that there was an exact time that we went from being helpless to being rescued. From being without hope to having all the hope that we have in eternity. And that came through Jesus who died on the cross. He died for the ungodly. We understand that when Jesus died on Friday afternoon, about 3 in the afternoon, and shouted, It is finished! All of history went to that point. And our lives and our hope changed. Because it is Christ who died for us that we have hope over sin, shame, death, and destruction. I don't know about you, But as a believer, I struggle with sin. I get frustrated because I know that I'm trying to put off the old ways and put on the new. I get frustrated because I know that there are are things that I do and think that are not godly. And I get very discouraged sometimes. And maybe you do the same way. But I need to stop and think. There was a time that I had no hope. There was a time that there is no way that I could have been fighting against my sin. There was a time that I wouldn't have had a chance. But now, by God's grace, he gives me the ability to turn from sin and turn to him. And for all eternity, I have this now hope that Jesus died for me when I was helpless. And through him, I can be saved. Today, we can celebrate our rescue that came when we were helpless through the cross of Jesus Christ. Secondly, yes, we need to understand that God rescued us when we were power, powerless, but we need to understand that we were rescued by his love. Verse 7-10 through 10 says that, for rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might dare to die, but God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul helps us God's love compared to the human love that we give time to time. The point here is to show that human love rarely even comes to the edge of God's love. You see, he gives this great example of how someone may die for a just. Good, good citizen or person, or maybe even someone might die for God, but God proves his own love for us that even, even when we were still sinners, he died for us. You know, our human view of love is always, usually that if you give us something good, we're easy to dispense love. It's easy to sacrifice. It's easy to give to those who are good or even someone who gives us something what we want. It is very difficult to expend or give love to those who we feel don't deserve it. But friends, God gave his love when we were his Enemies. And it shows the depth of God's love for us. That we certainly didn't deserve it, but God gave the love that we get through Christ. We see that there is a total opposite of how we do love with strings attached, but yet a deeper love that we cannot comprehend comes to us at Calvary. John Stott, a pastor, who lived in London, wrote this, the unique majesty of God's love lies in the combination of three factors, namely that when Christ died for us, God, A, was giving himself, B, even to the horrors of a sin-bearing death on the cross, and C, doing so for his undeserving enemies maybe you're watching today at home by invitation of someone maybe you've thought i need to think and learn and maybe seek out what is christianity's message maybe you hear about a god who might love you and internally you are going over this fact to think certainly there's no way god can love me maybe it's a sin that's going on now Maybe there's a sin that's happened in your past. Maybe it's decisions that you make, guilt, that you feel shame, that you carry. Friend, I hope you hear the depth of God's love. That even for his enemies, he crucified his son. There is nothing in your past There's nothing in your present or your future that would keep you from the love of Christ. Christ died for you. And I invite you to look at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I encourage you to look and believe. I encourage you to call out in faith and receive this gift of love in Jesus Christ. And I encourage you that all of us, all of us, all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ did not deserve this love. And it is because of this beauty and love of God that we are overwhelmed to follow Jesus. We are reminded that we are rescued because we were helpless, but we were rescued because of God's love. Thirdly, if you're following along, we are also rescued both now and in the future. Verse 9 through 10, Paul gives us this picture. How much more then, since we have been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. For if, while we were enemies, we were uh, were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Now, Sarah and I used to play this game. It's not a game, but it's kind of a it was a game that we would sit around with Franklin maybe before bed and we wanted to teach him that even when he did wrong and even though we had to give consequences that we would never stop loving him. And so we would come up with silly scenarios, some of them that could happen and then we started to get riled up we started to think really funny things that uh, what would happen we would say something like um uh said you know if you let jeter our dog out of the house and he runs and runs and runs and it takes us a day to find him will we still love you well of course yes we will love you then we'd get a little silly and say, "If you let a rhinoceros in our house and and he bangs the walls and he tears up everything, will we still love you?" Well, of course you'll still love us. There's nothing that will keep us from loving you. Well, this is the message of Paul to us that we are saved and rescued now and forever. Look at this. Logic, he says in verse now, uh, verse nine. How much more then, since we have been declared? righteous by his blood. Okay, so Paul is saying, if we have, because Christ has died, received righteousness, which means, yes, we have been forgiven of our sins, but when we stand before God, God looks at us as though he's looking at Christ, all of Christ's perfection, all of Christ's righteousness, that we are admitted to him because of Christ's work in our lives. So he says, okay, if we have, because of his blood received righteousness will we also be saved through him from wrath oh, of course paul saying here if you have received righteousness then yes on wrath you will be saved so in other words what he's saying is if we have been given this wonderful righteousness now on the day of judgment when wrath is poured out how much more we are confident even then but then he didn't stop there he said okay now If we have been reconciled to God, meaning that because of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we were enemies of God, but now because of Christ, we are saved and reconciled in our relationship to God. We are children of God. We are with God. We are the family of God. Then, verse 10, how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved through his life? What a beautiful picture that we can, we can read and talk about at Easter that, that we know if, yes, we've been reconciled to God through the death, burial, and resurrection. Think of how much even more we are reconciled through the resurrection and life of Jesus. That our hope is now not just, yes, now we are forgiven, but forever. One day when we die, we will have our resurrected bodies and we will live with God forever in all eternity. We will never be separated from God. So God's love is happened to us and through us and for us so that we are forever in his love. Look at how, how do we know this? Well, in verse 9 and 10, uh, Paul uses five uh, passive verbs to show that it was not based on us, but all on God, that we can trust that his love will last forever. In verse 9, it says, having now been declared righteous, a passive meaning, it was done to us. We have been declared righteous. That's the first one. That shall we be saved that we will be saved by God number two and verse 10 for if we were enemies we we were reconciled by God that's number three to God through the death of his son much more having been reconciled number four that we will be saved verse 10 look at this this is a a mountain of evidence that Paul is saying that it is not based on me and my works and whether I continue or that I have ever loved God rightly, but this God has done the work for us, that God has come into our lives and redeemed us and reconciled us so that we have assurance of the Father's love now and will have it always to the end of the age to judgment and to eternity in heaven and so for you today sitting there in your living room or sitting in your car or wherever you are you might be thinking a mountains of reasons why you might think God might stop loving you you might be doubting your life due to the loss of a job you might be doubting your life because of a loss of relationship you might be losing hope Because of the fear that has come. Because of this virus that has overtaken the world. But brother and sister, think of this. How much more God loves you and will never stop loving you. He has forgiven you through his Son, and his love will sustain us. Paul writes later in this majestic thing. We should maybe read this every day if we need to. In Romans 8, through 39, read this along with me. Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He is also at the right hand of the Father and intercedes us. So what is, what is Paul saying there? That, that because of, uh, of God's love, because of the work of the cross, there is now no condemnation on us. There is no separating us. And so he continues in verse 35. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as is written, because you were being put to death all day long, we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that you are loved in a way that can never be separated? Do you believe and understand that the cross and resurrection is the gift and the sign to you that if you believe and are in Christ, your, his love is endless and boundless and always towards you? believe that today. And we are excited because the rescue happened that we are saved both now and in the future. That there is nothing that can separate us from Christ's love. And so not only is it because that we are powerless, because of the depths of God's love, or that this saving, this savior, this superhero that came and saved us, saved us. And number four, we are rescued for joy. Verse 11 says, And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we have received this reconciliation. Brother, sister, the result of being rescued in your life should be joy. That God who you were enemies with, saw fit to sin. But now there's boundless, infinite joy that we understand that in Christ we have joy amidst all things. And if you read back in chapter 5 and and throughout Romans, you see that we have this wonderful ability to rejoice. We have this ability to rejoice, it says in chapter 5. uh, five, uh, yeah, 5, that we rejoice in the hope of sharing in God's glory, that we can rejoice in our tribulation in all else. And above him, we rejoice in God, exalting in our reconciliation to him. It seems like the major mark of this paragraph is that we were separated from God, but now we are reconciled to him. And this brings us great joy. Because we don't live life without Him. We live life with Him. And one day, we will live in His glory forever and ever. Are you joyous today? Do you look at life with joy? John Piper uh, read these verses and observed, We are forgiven so that our guilt does not keep us away from God. We are justified so that our condemnation does not keep us away from God. We are given eternal life now with new bodies in the resurrection so that we have the capacities for enjoying God to the fullest. Test your heart. Why do you want forgiveness? Why do you want to be justified? Why do you want eternal life? Is the decisive answer because I want to enjoy God? Brother or sister, It seems that the reward of Easter is not all laundry list of good things that are good. But the greatest is that we receive God himself, restored to him. The prize of the gospel is the person who paid the price. The gospel love God gives is ultimately the gift himself. This is what we were made for. What we were created for is relationship to God. We go back to Genesis 1 and see that we were created for relationship with God. And that was separated in Adam and Eve's sin. And yet we wander all of our lives looking to be restored to God. But finally through the cross we receive the greatest joy of our heart in him. And so that is why we can face the darkest days. That is why we can face with joy our biggest fears. That is why we can face tribulation and persecution and and bad weeks and bad days and, and bad minutes. We know that even through those, we go with joy because we have received God himself. We have been brought together by God, and we can understand that we have been rescued to enter into a life of joy. So as I conclude, let me ask you this question. Do you need to be rescued today? Maybe you're sitting there this morning and you've thought, and as the old hymn says, you feel that you are sinking deep in sin and far from a distant shore of help. Maybe you see what you're struggling with and what you're going going through, and you know that there is no way that God could love you. Well, I encourage you to look up and look to the cross and repent and believe and trust in Christ who died for you and rose from the grave for you, showing that victory is His and love can be yours through faith in Him. I encourage you that if you need and want to be restored to God that you would cry out right now to him. But maybe you might reach out to us for hope. You can go to our website, HebrewBaptist.org. and as you scroll down, there's a place that says prayer, help, and hope. I encourage you to click the hope button. Watch the video and then reach out to us. We want to help you to see That there is a life of joy waiting through belief and faith in Christ. And I hope this morning, this Resurrection Sunday, that you would receive him. But brother and sister in Christ, we are all facing strange and difficult and hard days. But it is through... The resurrection of, de- of Christ that we can face today, we can face tomorrow, because we have been rescued through our Savior. Praise Him today. Praise Him every day. Understand the depth of the love that He has given you. And understand the sacrifice in which He has rescued you from the grave. We are so grateful the rescuer came for us let us praise him this Easter Sunday and let us praise him every day let me pray, pray with you heavenly father we ask you this morning that as we gather this morning in your all over northern Kentucky we pray that this morning that those who need you will call out to you and God we pray for those who are deep and far away from you, to understand that there is nothing too far or too, too hard for you to overcome because you have given it through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray this morning, Lord, that as your word goes into the hearts and lives of people, that they will call out and respond in faith. But God, you would nourish and encourage all of our lives that we live under the resurrection, that we live in salvation, that we live because a rescuer came for us. May we face today and tomorrow and all eternity with this hope. In Jesus' name we pray.